because I'm not answering the call for intercession. You're not going to marry them with the spouse. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Just uh, an announcement about Holy Week. The, the schedule is in the bulletin. We schedule for the Masses, for confessions, uh, and I'll be preaching the seven last words of meditations on the seven last words on Good Friday in St. Teresa's on the Sunday, Passion Sunday, we recount the passion and death of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The Church invites us to contemplate the mysterious mystery, the link between sin and suffering and love. Jesus suffered to pay the price for our sins, and his motive was love. Today we meditate upon the sufferings of our Lord, that he endured to pay the price for our sins, sufferings both physical and mental or spiritual, which I like to call the sufferings of the heart, which is the preeminent symbol of Christ's love for us. The mental or spiritual suffering of our Lord began really at the Last Supper, when <clears throat> he knew that Judas, one of the twelve who had been with him for the past three and a half years, was about to betray him. And think how that must have pained the heart of our Lord to know that one of those intimate followers of his was just about to hand him over for a mere 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knew that Peter would deny him that night, not once, but three times. And he knew that the apostles would run away from him in fear, abandon him when he was arrested that evening. <clears throat> He knew that the Jews, his own people, the chosen people, would call for his crucifixion. And this only one week after they rejoiced at his entry into Jerusalem, singing, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How heavy our Lord's heart must have felt, knowing all this. Because he had a human heart, truly a human heart like ours, that had feelings and emotions. And then we can move to our Lord's physical sufferings. These really began in the Garden of Gethsemane when he underwent his agony. Saints and mystics tell us and popes teach that Jesus not only foresaw his own suffering and death, which would take place the very next day, he also beheld in his human mind all sins of mankind from Adam until the end of the world. And <clears throat> it was appropriate that he beheld everyone's sins because he was about to shed his blood for everyone's sins the next day. And even more painful than this, he foresaw all those who would reject his love and thereby render worthless for themselves the tremendous suffering that he would endure for them. Nothing is worse than worthless suffering, and our Lord foresaw this. St. Luke, the physician among the evangelists, tells us that Jesus sweated blood from the great anguish he endured in his heart, a medical condition called hematidrosis, when someone knows they are about to undergo great suffering, uh, the Sweat glands distend, they expand until they come in contact with the sweat glands, and then they, the sweat glands burst, leaving the skin sore to the touch. 
Jesus of the Bible was in this state on that night he underwent his agony. And after his arrest, he appeared before the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders among the Jews. And there he, the very giver of the law as the Son of God, was falsely accused of violating the law of Moses. The next day he was brought before Pilate and then scourged brutally, not with just 39 lashes, which, which was the limit according to the Jewish law. No, the Roman soldiers scourged our Lord and shouted to rip. Gives us evidence of this. I have a, a smaller version of the full shroud right in front of me, and this is our Lord's face in the shroud, right in the middle of the pulpit. And the shroud, that cloth which covered our Lord's body, reveals that he received at least 170 lashes from the Roman lash, which was called the flagrum, which had two metal prongs at the end. And this literally ripped our Lord's back, his arms and legs to shreds, as the shroud gives evidence of. Our Lord was then crowned with thorns, a caput, which fit over his entire head. Thorns were pressed deeply into his scalp, and this caused him to bleed, bleed profusely, as the scalp does when he was injured. And after this, he was mocked. His beautiful face was spat upon and struck blows by those Roman soldiers who mocked, ridiculed him. Jesus then carried the cross on which he was to be crucified. Tradition tells us he fell three times beneath its weight, which was really symbolic of the weight of our sins. And on Mount Calvary, the soldiers stripped him of his garments. Now we remember his garments were put back on him after the scourging. They were now clinging to his skin, as garments do with the band-aids we put it on, begins to heal. When the soldiers ripped off his garments, they reopened all those wounds of our Lord savagely, causing him excruciating pain. And then Jesus was fixed to the cross with three nails, one through his feet and one through each of the base of his hands. Now we know it was the base of his hands. The shroud has evidence of this. If you look, you can see the blood stains around the wrist. And this was because through the hands, palms, it wouldn't support the weight of a man. You needed it through the bone here. And here is also one of the major nerve centers in the human body, the median nerve. When Jesus moved, every time he moved while he was on the cross, uh, it was an irritation through that nail on the median, median nerve, which caused terrible, excruciating pain. And Jesus had to move while he was on the cross. He had to push himself up periodically every few minutes because when the body is suspended by the arms, scientists have done experiments on this. They know that the, the chest muscles go into spasm after a few minutes. So those crucified would have to use the nail as a fulcrum to push up and relieve the pressure from the arms in order to be able to breathe. Jesus did this up and down every few minutes for three long hours. And at last, he gave up his spirit. Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. It is finished. In the bulletin this week, there is a beautiful poem, To the Heart of the Most High King, by a 13th century monk named Herman Joseph. He is a blessed. 
and it was the first poem ever written in honor of Christ's Sacred Heart. I'll end today by quoting a few lines from this beautiful poem. All hail to the heart of our Most High King. Oh, how bitter was thy death, how strong, how ardent that last breath, how it pierced the sacred cell where the life of the world willed to dwell, tearing through thee, most sweet heart. Through the marrow of my heart, guilty, sinful, set apart, may thy love flow swift and strong, till my heart, thus borne along, lies wounded in that flame of love. Put my heart within thine own, hold me, never leave me alone. Here my heart shall live and die, to thee ever drawing nigh. Strongly would it thirst for thee, Jesus, say not no to me, that it may rest in thee, content. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.